Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. I want to I want to talk about this message today um and th- thousands of messages have been preached on this. But I have titled this message it's for the king. It's for the king. And here's Jesus, he's coming. It's the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Has to take place there. God places so much emphasis on Jerusalem to us as Christians. What does God command us to do in his word? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's one of the most contested places on the planet. And uh, we know the reasons for that. So Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. He knows Jerusalem quite well. And just as we've seen all those great pictures that the team put up, his early ministry was around Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. And he's there, had an incredible ministry where people who were sick and needed healing and who were um, possessed by evil spirits and all of this would come, they would find Jesus. It wouldn't be difficult to find him because he probably had so many people coming to him. And they would come and they'd be delivered these were the everyday folks. Some would say they could be like the poor northerners. <laughs> you know, it's all right down south. But, you know, Jerusalem was where it was at. But Jesus did this wonderful ministry in Galilee. And, um, but he had to leave there because he had to be about his father's business. And that brought him to Jerusalem. He was dedicated there. He went there as his, his mom and dad looked for him there, couldn't find him because he was debating with all the, the wise, the, I say wise, I don't know about wise, but the learned men. And he would have come there with um, his family every year for Passover. And um, Passover, if you don't know, it's the annual feast where the whole nation remembers God's deliverance in Egypt and God's protection on that night. The firstborn of all of the families in Egypt, the firstborn died that night. And the Israelites were, were commanded to sacrifice a lamb and, and to um, sign or daub the doorposts of their homes with the blood of this lamb. And so this meant that the, um, the, the, the angel of death would pass over their dwellings. And anyway, that was, um, that was the thing, the straw that broke the camel's back, and they were then let go. They were free to go. But this time, it's different. Jesus is entering Jerusalem as the Passover lamb. He's going in there. He's the lamb of God that's going to be sacrificed in just day's time. He's coming as the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And he's coming as the king, Hosanna, and, he's, and there's this declaration, Hosanna, to the son of David, to our king, Hosanna in the highest. And that was what declared, what was declared. He's coming in as the king. And I want to take one aspect of this story and just talk about it today. Because we've been talking about the supernatural for about five weeks. Well, there was one supernatural aspect of this, um, this holy week, this Passion Week in Jerusalem. And it starts right at the beginning. He sends two of his disciples to go and get a donkey's colt. And he's going to be sat upon this colt 
as he goes into Jerusalem, okay? And it's the fulfilling of a prophecy in Zechariah 9 that he would come in on the foal of a donkey. But I want to read it in, in Luke 19. Do you have your Bibles with you today? Or your e-Bible? Go to Luke 19, verse 28. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says, After saying these things, Jesus went on ahead of them going to Jerusalem when he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you'll find a donkey's colt tied up. No one's ever sat on this animal. You will say the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and they found the colt just as he had told them. Oh, wow. No surprise. They said, the Lord needs it. Oh, hang on, I missed a bit. Th those who were sent, they found, they found it just as the Lord had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Can you imagine that? Someone walks into your place and you, I'm just taking your animal. Why are you untying the colt? Because the Lord needs it. So then they brought it to Jesus and they threw their robes over the colt and put Jesus on it. As he rode along, people were spreading their coats on the road as an act of homage before the king. As soon as he was approaching Jerusalem near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the entire multitude of the disciples, all of the people who claimed to be his followers, began praising God and adoring him enthusiastically. And joyfully with loud voices for the miracles and works of power that they had seen. And they were shouting, blessed, celebrated, and praised be the name of the Lord. Um, and, and, and to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory, majesty, and splendor in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. Keep quiet. Jesus replied, I tell you, one of the best verses in the Bible, if these people kept quiet, even the stones would cry out. Yeah. So all the stones in the area, can you imagine, if they had been quiet, all these stones would have, sat, would have started singing his praises. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and the spiritual ignorance of, the, of its people. Jesus' passion was evident wherever he went. And he says, if only you had known on this day of salvation, even you, the things which make for peace and on which peace depends, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, for a time of siege is coming when your enemies will put up a barricade with pointed stakes against you and surround you with armies and will hem you in on every side and they will level you to the ground, you, Jerusalem, and your children with you. They will not leave in you one stone on another, all because you did not come to recognize the time of your visitation when God was gracious towards you and offered you salvation. The people, there were many people that did not recognize, they did not know this was the time of their visitation. This was the Messiah. This was their opportunity to receive him and be saved. Amen. 
Um, and uh, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it in every gospel. You'll be going, yay, thank, thank you, Pastor David, for not reading that story in every gospel. But um, the account in Mark is a little bit different to that. Um, in verse 5, it says, as they were untying the colt, some bystanders said, said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said what Jesus had told them to say. And this is a key thing in this little message. They said what Jesus had told them to say. And then they were permitted to take it. Amen? You know, um, there are things which supernaturally serve God's purpose. Things which put him in his rightful place. Amen? And it would be so easy for this message today to turn into something that enables us and not the kingdom of God. Because Jesus told me to say this so I can have it. I can say this or I can pray that way and I can have it. But if we have it for ourselves, it's for nothing. So this message is a very fine line between you interpreting this message as saying, well, I can have this because Jesus said, say this and do that. But it's when we do things that puts God in his rightful place. It's when we do things that, that elevate and glorify God. It's when we do things that um, build the kingdom of God on earth. That is where the power comes from. That is what really truly changes people's lives. And so um, they put him on this donkey. And that was his rightful place. This donkey had never been ridden before. It was just like the tomb that he would go into. It was an unused tomb. And I'm not a Bible scholar. Maybe when, when David Proudfoot is here or when the Jerusalem team come back, they can tell us. But I do believe there's some aspect in, 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 uh, in the, the Jews' religion at that time where a donkey wasn't just a, a, low, a lowly animal. We see it as a lowly animal, but it was exactly what Jesus needed at that time to move into the city. And it was exclusively for him, all right? And it became available in an amazing way. So questions were asked about, where, hey, where are you guys going with the donkey? But there was no argument. There was no contest. It was like, see you later. When we're finished with it, we'll bring it back and we'll tie it up. Okay, on you go type of thing. It was a totally supernatural thing. It was, it was, it was set up perfectly that way. Amen. So Jesus even says, when you get there, this is what you say. You don't have to, they didn't have to make excuses or come up with some wee fib. All they had to say was, the, the Lord needs it. Some translations might say the master has need of it. Amen. And um, sometimes we as people, we stress out about what to say. To gain a breakthrough. To enable something for the kingdom, for the Lord. To witness to people. And we think, what can we say? But if we would, if we would trust and we would ask for wisdom... God will give us wisdom. He'll give us the words to speak that will enable supernatural things to happen. Amen? You know, sometimes we have the words beforehand. And the, Spirit will, you know, the Holy Spirit says, you will go to such and such a place 
or you will meet such and such a person, and when you meet them, you will say X, Y, and Z. Divinely orchestrated. I, I wish I could live my life like that every day. I wish I could live my life like that every day. Sadly, I let my own logic and my opinions cloud a lot of that. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if you need wisdom, ask God, because God is generous. He'll give you wisdom. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be, make, be sure that your faith is in him alone. This is, a huge, this is hugely significant. Ask God for wisdom, but when you do ask him, make sure that your faith is only in him. Do not waver, because a person who has divided loyalties is unsettled as a wave of the sea that gets tossed around to and fro. Such people, I'm not even going to say show of hands for such people. Such, we've all probably can put our hands up. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. You know, I reckon, um, so you can ask for wisdom. You can ask for the words to speak. And I just love, G you know, later on, Jesus goes and he stands before P Pilate and what the word says, he was silent as a lamb. And when he opened his mouth, he spoke exactly what needed spoken, not more and not less. Amen. So back to the donkey. I reckon a donkey would have been of immense value to the people of those days. And, um, you know, for two guys to show up and ask to borrow your, maybe your prized livestock, everything just fell into place. And I want to say that for the, from the owner's behalf, whatever is entrusted to God, whatever you say, this is for his use. This is for the master's use. It's, it's useful in a miraculous way, and it's useful for the mission that God has planned. And I believe it's always for God's glory, not our glory. And that's the thing, because we are, we are men, and we always like to have a little bit of, you know, feel good. We can't, we can't, uh, it's like that old saying, you know, it's like this thing to ministers, well, to everybody, don't touch the gold, the girls, or the glory, you know, you know, uh, money, lust, and, and, and pride, essentially, and all the glory goes to the Lord, amen, and so I believe that whenever we go and we, 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 we are enabled to use something, it's always for his reputation, it's for the king, amen, and there's other stories in the Bible, it's the same thing of people who somehow the situation led them into this place where they gave everything that they had. They had hardly anything to give, but either the man of God or the prophet or someone asked them for it. It's for the king. It's for the kingdom. Elijah goes to the widow at Zarephath, similarly supernatural, he arrives after a long journey, asks the lady for a drink and something to eat, a bit of bread. Doesn't know at that time, she tells him, me and my son are on the brink of starving to death. This is actually our last meal. And uh, he says, no, it's okay. Go and do it. Go and bring it. 
Verse 12 in 1 Kings 17, as, your, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a little oil in a jar. I've got a couple of sticks that I may go in and pre prepare for myself and my son, and then we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. <laughs> it's so bleak. This is what we're doing. We're just doing this, and then we're going to die. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Go and do as you have said, but make a small cake for me from it first and bring it to me. Afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. And you know the story. After she had obeyed that, the oil never ran out and the flour never ran out. It just kept on miraculously replenishing itself according to the word that was spoken by Elijah. So she refreshes the prophet, the man of God, and she herself is refreshed. In John, in John 6 verse 9, the boy with his fishes and his loaves, it's all he had, like a packed lunch, fed, fed multitudes, fed multitudes. Who's it for? I can imagine maybe, you know, the disciples. Listen, guys, how, we're not, Jesus, we're not going to be able to feed all these people. Do you see how many people there are? Um, well, go and see what you can find. Here's this poor lad. <laughs> You're taking all my stuff. It's for, it's for the king. It's for him. Okay, there you go. They feed all the people, and what happens? They gather up all the rest of it, and they give it back to the... He's like, wow, you know, can I give you more? Amen. Nothing was withheld. Amen. The widow in Mark chapter 12, the widow... Jesus is sitting there at the treasury. He's sitting there with the disciples. You can imagine them there. I can imagine the sun and the dust and all the people, and the dust rising, and they're going and they're putting their offerings or their, their whatever in there. And then they're watching this lady, this widow come, and she gives in just two little mites, two little coins. And uh, this, yeah, Jesus is observing this. And then they start to talk about it, and he says to the people, he says to the disciples, assuredly, I say to you, this widow has put in more than all of those who have given to the treasury because they gave out of stuff they already had. But out of her poverty, she's given her entire livelihood. Amen. Amen. And you know what? When it comes to, you know, I, I think I've felt that before. Um, God has re required something of me. It's like it's for the king. It's for his service. And we've got to be careful. I don't remember what book it's in, but in the Old Testament, the people got really familiar with the, with, with the temple. They actually were told to build a new temple, but they took all the lovely cedar wood and everything away, and they started building their own houses with the stuff that was for the temple. And the prophet got, got wrath with them, and he got he got angry. He says, what, what do you think you're doing taking all the stuff that was for the king, for the temple? You're building your own, your, your own house with it. Get it back. Bring it, bring it back. Bring it back because the temple's going to be built. And so this, this is so important to us. And we sometimes, we all have moments of doubt. We're like, I, can, I cannot, I cannot release my trust. I don't think I can release my faith. I just, what, what if, what if, what, what, what if this happens? I need, to I need to hold on to something in case something happens. 
And even one of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, had moments of doubt. He says, Jesus, we've been following you for years and years and years. What do we get? What do we get? Because if you look there, that's in context with the rich man. Remember the rich man who was asked to just give all your stuff and you'll enter the kingdom of heaven. And Peter says to him, Ah, but Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What will you get? Can I tell you what they got? Here's what they got, verse 28. I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, put your hand up in this place, amen. You who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses. And listen to this, everyone who has given up brothers and sisters, fathers or mothers, children or property. And if you've ever felt like giving up your children, (laughs) that's a joke. For my sake, everyone who's given up all those things for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return, and they will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least then, and those who are the least now will be the greatest then. I don't know where to start with Peter's statement, to be honest with you, but the, the, the doubt, the doubt comes in. We've, we've given up, you know, what, what are we going to get? And I want to say this morning, just as we close this off, I believe that everybody here today has something to offer. You all have, we all have something that the master has need of. The king needs it. The Lord has need of it. And no matter how insignificant you think your contribution might be, I want to say this morning, you're valuable in God's sight. You're loved. If you're sitting in this place and you think, I don't have no connection with the Lord. I'm not religious. I'm, you know, I want to tell you right now that Jesus loves you. The word of God says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for you. His only son. In God's hands, every gift, I know that there's gifted and talented people in this place. I know that there's fivefold ministry in this place. I know that there's pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, and teachers in this place. And I know that um, when you bring that for the king, the king needs it, your gifts will be multiplied and they will make a great impact. And it might feel this morning that everything that surrounds you in your life right now is so overwhelming. You don't know what difference you can make to anybody, let alone in, a, in, the family of, in the family of God, but you can. What you have to offer is important. Time, talent, or treasure. That's what the Bible talks about so often. Time, talent, and treasure. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.